was just kind of drawn to at the beginning of the week, but we're going to go through the whole chapter to get there. So, um, and if you're here and you're a first-time guest, what we do on Wednesday night, I just do line by line, verse by verse, try to do that. Uh, most weeks, that's what we do. And so, I saw this, and I thought this was pretty good. How many are having a, a good day today? How many are having a bad day today? All right. Um, and I saw this. I thought this was a really good statement. A good day uh, is a good day. Makes sense, right? A bad day is a good story. And at the end of the day, it's all good. And so no matter where you're at in life, um, you know, we, we're all going to face trials and we're all going to face situations in our life, right? And, uh, and so I, we're going to just kind of talk about that. This 34th Psalm is a what we call a wisdom psalm or a, a, a psalm of praise. And uh, this psalm was penned by, you want to guess? David. Um, and uh, he was not yet King David. But matter of fact, when he penned this, he was running from King Saul. And uh, he was trying to get away from King Saul. And he found himself in this city called Gath. Does anyone know where Gath was? Does anyone know anybody in the Bible who was from Gath? Goliath. Some of you read your Bibles. That's right. And, uh, and so it's interesting enough, David, who had killed Goliath, finds himself running for safety to the place where Goliath was from. And uh, he had talked to the king there in, in Gath, the Philistine country, and the king said, yeah, you can, you can come and take refuge here. Well, when he got to Gath, the people started to recognize who he was. I don't know about you, if somebody uh, takes out one of your kinfolks, you're, you're probably not going to be very happy about that person being around. And so um, David, what he does to sustain himself, he begins to act crazy. He does. It's what he does there in Gath. He starts to allow the spit of his mouth to run down his beard, and he begins to claw at the gate. And so he begins to act crazy to kind of sustain himself there. And, um, but it's interesting. He, he acted a fool. But this fool would pen this psalm um, here, and it's interesting. Uh, at this time of difficulty, David, he's being hunted by his enemies. He's being shunned by his countrymen and being threatened by the Philistines. And so uh, he's in a tight spot. How many have ever been in a tight spot where you felt like you're just getting getting pulled and and uh, from all directions you couldn't you couldn't stand up you couldn't turn to the left to the right you just felt like you were surrounded, and I believe that uh, that speaks to everybody in here. We've all been there. Matter of fact, this this psalm is um, a poem, and it's interesting if you were to look at this psalm in Hebrew in the original how it's written. It's an acrostic in the Hebrew alphabet. And every line has the next letter of the alphabet. Um, most uh, scholars believe there is one that is missing, which is the letter Y. I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing that because um, I'm not a Hebrew scholar by any means. And so uh, and they're not sure why that one's not there or why it's fallen off. But it's in the English. But we're going to do it in the English tonight instead of the Hebrew. And everyone said, thank the Lord for that. Um, and there's four Four parts to this psalm. I love this psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. And I wanted to encourage your heart tonight because it, it just lifted my countenance as I began to read this um, psalm this week and just really lifted me. 
the first part of this psalm is actually a call for the congregation to join the psalmist. So the original psalmist here is David who is writing this, and he calls on the congregation. Matter of fact, Psalm 34, verse 1, um, it says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. Ah, man, we could stop right there. We are. We're going to. Um, I, I love how David starts this because you got to love his determination here. I will bless the Lord. He's got himself in a tight spot here and not sure how to respond. Um, but in the middle of all the stuff that's going on, he's determined in his heart, I'm going to bless the Lord despite what's happening around me. How many know as the people of God, sometimes you don't feel like blessing the Lord, but sometimes you just got to press through and bless the Lord anyways. Amen. Anybody ever been there? Um, you know, some of us, uh, he didn't say, you know, I might worship the Lord or I, 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 I could. No, he says, I will bless the Lord. It's a declaration and it's a determination in his heart. I love that. And bless the Lord, if you, if you look at that, bless the Lord, uh, bless means to confer happiness or prosperity on another. So that means when we say, hey, Lord, I bless you, that means that we are, we are conferring happiness or prosperity on the Lord. And I find that amazing that we could put a smile on the Lord's face. The creator of the universe loves to hear from you. So when we say, I bless the Lord, man, he, he pays attention. Uh, and the Lord genuinely enjoys hearing the praises of his people. C.H. Spurgeon, that great... Uh, they call him the prince of preachers. He said this, he who praises God for blessings will always have blessings to praise God for. I'm going to say it again. He who praises God for blessings will always have blessings to praise God for. One more time. He who praises God for blessings will always have blessings to praise God for. We've heard those statements when the praises go up, the blessings come down. And, and the blessings, when they come down, I automatically just want to turn and just begin to praise God for his loving kindness. If you got up today, you are blessed. If you ate today, you are blessed. If God sustained you today, you are blessed. And you ought to praise him over and over and over uh, um, and so the next line says this, at all times, everyone say, at all times. And David declares, I will bless the Lord just in the good times. You know, he, you know, he says, I will bless the Lord just in the easy times. Nope. I will bless the Lord just in the bad times. Nope. That's not what he says. He says, at what times? forever, all the time, no matter if you feel like it, no matter if you don't feel like it. Well, some of you say, well, that's easy for David to say, you know, he's a man after God's own heart. But in this moment, you, you remember, he is fighting for his life. Uh, and, and so, I mean, the king of Israel's hunting him. The people of Gath are suspicious of him. He's acting a fool there in town. Um, and he is in a lonely spot, but his determination is to bring happiness I love this, or to confer happiness to the living God. I will bless you, Lord, at all times. Despite how I feel, despite what's going on around me, despite what it looks like, 
I will bless the Lord. How many will say, hey, I want to bless the Lord no matter what's going on at all times. Amen. And Numbers 16.21, um, the people of Israel, uh, you remember that story uh, in, in Numbers 16 and chapters 21. The people of Israel at one point were, writ- were bitten by snakes. You guys remember that story there. And, and then there was another time there that the children of Israel were swallowed up by the earth. You guys remember those stories? You know why they were? Because they were murmuring and complaining. It's interesting to me. Um, kind of reminds me of my kids. Anybody that has teenagers know that, or has had kids, knows that kids can complain, right, about things that, that as a parent, you're just like, why are you complaining about this right now? You know, you could, you could, you could do your best. I, um, I, this recently, when we were in California, I was determined, I'm going to take my kids, we're going to go to this theme park. We went to this theme park in, in California, and my kids... They just, their response was not as excited as I thought it should have been. It was a lack of gratitude that, that from, a, from a father's perspective. And I thought, well, you old grouchy kids. You old complainers and you old murmurers. And I was sitting there thinking, Lord, send the snakes and put the holes in the, no, I wasn't. I'm joking. But something, when my kids come out, from dinner or whatever, and they say, thank you, mom and dad, which is very far and few between. But when they do, as a father, when there's gratitude, it checks my heart. And I'm just like, that is so awesome. And how much more does the father love our gratitude when he does something for us? And we're just like, God, thank you for today. Thank you for keeping me today. Uh, uh, I I love that so much. And so um, the second part of that praise thing is, is opening our mouth. Some of us love to praise, but we like to praise like this. And and David said, uh, you know, he says, uh, your praise shall what? Continually be in my mouth. Continually in my mouth. Mouth. It's interesting to me because when we begin to praise the Lord, some of us like to praise the Lord just in our thoughts, and that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but there's something powerful when you begin to open your mouth. When you begin to praise the Lord vocally, because there's something that happens from your inner being, and it comes out of you, and you're in your car. And some I, I told you, I write when I've rode with my dad, and still to this day, I'll get in the car with him, and we'll get quiet, and we'll be talking for a while, and it'll get quiet, and out of nowhere, he'll go, Thank you, Jesus. It'll scare me half to death. And I'm like, where did that come from? It it came from his inner being and came out of his mouth. But something happens there. There's an encouragement when it comes out of your mouth. Guess what? It goes back into your two ears and you hear that. There's something powerful about that. And I love that. And we have to encourage, we should be encouraged to praise. And say, some of you say, oh, I'm just uncomfortable doing that. Heaven is going to be a blast because we're just going to be worshiping the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Look at this. Verse 2 says this. uh, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear uh, uh, and be glad. Um, How many guys uh, like to brag on God? 
when God does the amazing, I love to testify. I got a, I got a phone uh, text today from somebody that said, we had prayer here Sunday night, amazing time. If you, don't, if you haven't had a chance to come to prayer on our last Sunday night of the night, come, come. We, we, we prayed for someone here, and they texted me today and said, I have been struggling with this, and today was the first day that I was able to do this particular thing and not have an issue. Prayer changes things. I, I love to brag on God. How many know that God is good? Let me tell you what, what uh, Spurgeon said again. He who praises God for blessing will always have blessings for which to praise God. Um, this is one of the reasons that I believe David was so blessed. Because he purposed in his heart to be one who was always going to praise God no matter what. Didn't matter what the circumstances looked like. Didn't matter who was around. But I'm going to praise God no matter what. And I don't know about you. When I look at David's life and I say, Lord, let me be like David. I don't care who's around. I don't care if, if, if my wife sees me. If, the, if the God moves, I, I just want to praise God and give him all the glory that he deserves. Verse 3 says this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. There we go. There's the... There's the calling of the congregation. So you got the psalmist saying, magnify the Lord with me. And then he says what? Let who? Who? That's you, 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 you. Exalt his name together. And I like this. David's inviting the congregation or those who are reading to join in magnifying the Lord and exalting his name together. David said it. And I'll look at this, and Paul reiterated it in First Thessalonians 5.18. He says, exalt his name together. Paul would say that there. And so there's something special when we come together as a congregation and we begin to praise the Lord together. You know, it's interesting when worship time comes, um, most people are in the same mind and the same accord because we're singing the same thing. Some of you are singing in different keys, but, but we're singing the same thing. Some of you are making a joyful noise, and some of you are making a pretty noise. Some of you are just doing your best with what the Lord's given you, right? Um, but, but we're singing the same thing, and we're in one mind and one accord. See, it's different. When I'm speaking, some are listening. Some are zoning. Some are phoning. Some are groaning. Some are sleeping. But when we worship, we begin to magnify the Lord together. We're in one mind and one accord. Something powerful happens. And, and, and so this is why it's important. And if, if 2020 taught us anything when we, we couldn't be together in the house of the Lord, if it taught us anything, there is something special about being together to worship the Lord together. Amen. And so come on and, and magnify the Lord with me. I love that. So here's the second part of this, this poem or this psalm. is It's a declaration concerning the psalmist. And, and it's talking about his deliverance from trouble. So look at this, verse 4. I'm going to read verse 4 through 7. It says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 5. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Verse 6, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. 
and saved him out of all his troubles. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So this, this translation says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. The actual, uh, I think it's the New King James Version, it, it actually says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. When we seek the Lord, he hears our cry. It's a very classic statement in praise. It's a, uh, it's a, a response of, of God to our prayers to his people. Psalms 41 says it like this. I, I called to the Lord, and he inclined his ear towards me. He said, I hear what you're saying. I, I hear what's going on there. And that's what happens with us when we have troubles and we respond in prayer. When we begin to call on the name of the Lord, he says, someone's talking to me right here. He begins to listen to us. I love that. And some of you have been praying about things. Can I tell you something? Keep praying because the Lord is listening. The Lord is listening. Verse 5 says that those who look to him or pray to him are radiant. So, um, you know, speaking of the transformation that, that God can bring to a person, I love it. When, when God changes you, he changes everything. Some of you were bitter and upset before you had a relationship with the Lord, and the Lord came in and changed your demeanor and your face. And your face caught up with the emotions going on with you, and you're like, I am happy, and life is good. You are radiant. One of my former pastors, he used to say this, you know, I was a youth pastor, and he would say, hey, uh, TJ, I need you to go visit this uh, lady at the hospital. I can't make it, or whatever the case. And he would say this about people. He said, you know, this lady, she's elderly. She's been a, a member of our church for many years. She is a radiant saint. That means her disposition was great. And I don't know about you, but I want the love of Christ to just come from me, that when people see me, that they know that I love Jesus. You remember in, in Exodus, when Moses had his encounter with the Lord, he said, Lord, can I, can I see you? And Lord, the Lord passed his hinder parts. And when he came back down, he was radiating, his face was radiating and that's what we want to be. Once we see Jesus, once we see the Lord, may he radiate from us. And the radiance of the Lord's glory shines through us when we've experienced his goodness. Verse 6 says this. Uh, uh, it talks about the poor. It says, uh, do you have that, Tristan? This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Um, verse 6, uh, it says that, uh, the poor here, it actually, it's not talking about how much money you have, but it's talking about the needy as well as the humble. You know, when you have a need, oftentimes it leads us to humility, right? If you are used to walking and taking care of things all by yourself, and then you have to use a walker or you have to ask for help, it brings a little bit of humility in your life. The older I get, you know, when I get certain injuries, I'm like, Tristan, you're going to have to help me get up over here, right? There's a humility to that, right? That happens. But look at this. And, and uh, um, the Lord delights it, it, to deliver. So look at this. Psalms 147.6 says this. The Lord lifts up the what? The humble. And he casts the wicked to the ground. You want to catch God's attention? Come in humility. That's it. You just come in humility. Lord, I don't have all the answers. Lord, I, I am needy. I need you. 
I can't make it on my own. Matthew 5, 3, and Jesus speaking here, he said this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Something about that neediness of, of needing the Lord, that, that the Lord is like, hey, this is an open heaven for you. This tells me that God will help the needy and the humble. Scripture says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. How many need grace? You better raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you need to work that pride out of your life. We all need grace. Amen. Verse 7 says this. The angel of the Lord and... Uh, it, or read that. Uh, it says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So look at this. Uh, the angel of the Lord is the name of God or and the name of God in the Old Testament. They're interchanged quite a bit. You, sometimes it's talking about the angel of the Lord. Sometimes it's talking about uh, the Lord. And there's these things in the Old Testament. We call them Christophanies where the angel of the Lord showed up with Jacob. We, we say the angel of the Lord. Um, but... I believe that he wrestled with the Lord there in that moment. So this is one of those moments here where he's talking about that. But we see in Exodus 23, 20, that the angel of the, of the Lord or God, they were to precede the people of God before they went into uh, the land that God had given them. And the Lord was to go before them. And, and this is what's interesting. When the Lord goes before you, he prepares the land for you. Some of you are trying to get ahead of the Lord, but this is amazing. When we let the Lord go before us, he makes a way. You know, God sent hornets to drive out the inhabitants, some of the inhabitants there when they crossed into the promised land. So, so, so too God goes before you and he clears out the territory that God has given you. Let me say something just on a spiritual side. Some of us and some of you have been going through a, a battle in your life. And I say this, let the Lord go before you to clear out the territory that he's given you. Amen. And it's amazing because God will do things that, that we never dreamed or we never even thought of. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I, I know the story of uh, the Dream Center in L.A., and Tommy Barnett, who, is the pa who was the pastor uh, there at, at Phoenix First Assembly, I think it's called Dream, Dream City Church now, he was there for so long. And they, his son wanted to go into L.A. to open this dream center. And there was a hospital, a banded hospital, downtown L.A. And, um, and, and Tommy Barnett tells this story that he went down there and they, the building, I don't remember what its worth was, like $12 million they were asking for it. And and he thought, well, I'll go in and I'll just lowball them and I'll just throw a number out there. And he came in, he said, I tell you what, we'll give you $4 million for it. And they said, we'll take it. And he said, I went back going, I don't know where we're going to get $4 million to buy this building. But it's amazing. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. When the Lord goes before you, he clears out the territory. So you can take it. So God will deliver. You just got to trust in him. Amen. Walk in humility. Here's number three. The third, third part of this is this. Instructions about the fear of the Lord. All right. Instructions about the fear of the Lord. This is verses 8 through 14. Um, the first verse. I love this verse. This is a great, 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 great verse. Y'all underline this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How many like good steak? 
How many like a good piece of bacon? How many like a good cucumber? I don't want to leave the vegetarians out, all right, inside. How many like a good cookie? It's one thing to see a cookie. It's another thing to taste a cookie. Right? Have you, I mean, how many of you window shop when you go into Magic Morning? Oh, those donuts look delicious. They look great. All right, well, I'll see you later. No, you, 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 you want to you taste something, right? Isn't it great when you go into a bakery and they're like, hey, do you want a free sample? Yes, I do. When you go into Sam's Club, oh, free samples? I don't care what it is. I don't even like raisins. I'm going to eat these raisins because they're free. That verse says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And I want you to notice something about this verse. I want you to notice something about the order of this verse. It says, taste and see. You've got to taste first and then see. Our tendency is this. Hey, I'm going to see what's going on, and then I'll see if I want to get in. See, what's the problem with that? doesn't take faith doesn't take faith but God's way is this taste it try it then you're going to see then you're going to know second Corinthians 5 7 says this for we walk by faith not by when you try the samples at Sam's Club, sometimes you walk by faith because you don't know what it's in. I mean, you got to taste it before you see it, right, before you decide you're going to buy it. I don't know about you, but we live in a world that says, show me first. It's a bunch of people from Missouri, right? Show me first. I can say that. I'm from Missouri. That's, that's you know, show me first. got to show me when God is saying, taste first, then you'll see. I, I love that, just the, the breaking down, you know, of, of, that, of that verse. No reason to fear. There's no reason to be anxious. There's no reason to be confused. Just try me. Just try me. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. How many like the Food Network? How many like to watch the Food Network? You know, the problem with the Food Network is when I watch the Food Network is I see the food on there. And then I get hungry, and then I go to my kitchen, which does not have the same stuff that I'm looking at on TV. And I try to satisfy with whatever this chef is making on TV with what I bought at Walmart. You know, microwave burritos are not the same. Right? <laughs> and it's amazing. Uh, but here's the thing. It doesn't matter how good a chef cooks on TV. And I look at it all day long, and I can say, that looks good, that looks good, that looks good. But I'll never know what it tastes like unless I'm there. So that's, that's the order of things we have to taste. So our, our refuge is in the Lord. Amen? Amen. We are blessed. So look at this. Verse 9 says this. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for, for those uh, who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. There's some really powerful truths in these few verses here. Um, I want to point this out off the get-go. This verse doesn't say that the saints won't lack anything. 
okay? It's not what it says. It doesn't say that they won't lack anything, but it does say this, that they won't lack any what? Good thing. If it comes from the Lord, it's good. It's always good. And if the Lord gives it to you, you know, come on, you got you to know what, what that is. So, again, there, there is where our faith comes in, okay? Faith is not demanding that you get your way. Sometimes as Christians, that's what we think. God, do this, 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 this. No, faith is, God, I'm going to trust you and you do whatever you need to do. I'm sorry, Frank Sinatra was wrong. You don't get it your way. I get it my way. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We talked about Frank Sinatra last week, I think. So, um, or Aaron did. So, but faith is trusting in the loving kindness, in the loving kindness, and the perfect wisdom, and the character of the Father. That's what it is. Verse ten reminds reminds me uh, time after uh, time that God has met my needs. How many can say God has met all your needs? I can tell you this, everything that God has given me has been good. Have I had everything I want? No, but that's okay. But everything that he has given me has been good, and that's what I needed. Verse 11 says this, come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Um, I like this because David's in great trouble here. But he kind of reminds me, he, he's predating, he's in the line, Jesus came from his lineage, but he's saying something that Jesus would say later on. He's like, hey, even though I'm going through all this trouble, I care enough about the children right now to let them know, hey, glean from me, learn from me here, um, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And I tell you what, we need a lot of people in the church, a lot of moms and dads and a lot of grandparents to teach this next generation what it means to fear the Lord. Amen? And uh, Jesus would say it later in Mark 10, 14. He would say it like this. Suffer the little children coming. There's something about that childlike faith that's amazing. But the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of? How many want to be smart? You starts with the fear of the Lord. Um, um, it's not like a fear as... okay i mean if you want to be scared of god like that but it but it's a it's a reverence before the lord knowing who he is knowing that the sovereign god of the universe could take you out in a second if he wanted to and a reverence to who he is and what he can do in simplistic form god is greater than you right and when you know that God is greater than you, you can walk in humility, and you can walk in humbleness, and you can walk in gentleness of spirit and faith in God because you already know he's better than you. Lord, you know what's best for me. I make bad decisions. Lord, you know what's good for me. You've already given me what's good for me and what I need. Verse 12 says this, what man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Uh, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. All right. How many want the key to life? Yeah, this simple key to life. Everyone's always got, you know, something to say. But David would say this right here. Watch what you say. Watch what you say. Here's the thing. 
some of us just by incident, I mean, sometimes we do it without even thinking. We're speaking death. We're speaking poison. We're speaking uh, negativity over people. And here's what happens. When all that just spews out, when poison spews out of our mouth, guess what? It affects us. Number one, you know, it, it got in there somehow too, right? But David says, hey, you want a good life? Keep your tongue from evil. That may, need, that may mean sometimes I just need to shut up. Shout me down on that one. Right? That may mean sometimes I may just need to seal my lips from speaking guile or speaking poison or slandering somebody even worse. So God help me. Look at this, verse 14. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Um, I, I'm convinced that when we do the above, verse 13, where we, we control our tongue, uh, it will help me do this latter one. So once I get my, my tongue under control, hey, guess what? It will help me to turn away from evil, and I'll begin to do good, and then I'll begin to seek peace among other believers, and then I will pursue it, and it, it will be good. Amen? I will turn away from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. How many say, hey, I want to fear the Lord? I, I do. It's, it's a good bit of Scripture to remind ourselves. Hey, most of us know this Scripture. We've heard these, these Scriptures our whole life. But it's a good reminder. How many know that we need a good reminder? Amen? All right. The last portion of this bit of uh, this chapter says this. Is, it's a declaration of praise to the Lord. Verse 15 says this. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and the ears toward and and his ears toward their cry. I told you the Lord inclines his ear towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Verse 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Look at this, verse 18. This is the verse that I that I wanted to lean on, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. This verse 18 was, uh, is that verse that, that led me to this psalm this week, and I was just thinking about it this week. When is the time that we are most likely to wonder where the Lord is? In a time of trouble. Where are you at, God? When you're not responding to me. When our heart is broken. Where are you, Lord? How could you do this? Why would you let this? How could this happen? We have this unanswered questions that often lead us asking God, where are you? Anybody ever been there? I think most of us in here are, have been in church and been around church long enough to know, hey, I've, I've walked that in my life. David, I, I, I like his perspective. He didn't see it this way. This man after God's own heart actually knew this was when the Lord was nearest to him. In the middle of my brokenness, that's when I know God is close to me. When I'm down and out and I'm struggling, I know he is there. But scripture tells us that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So why wouldn't he be right next to you in the middle of your brokenness and your trial? Mary... You remember, with a broken heart, she went to the tomb to find 
Jesus, and when she got there, she found that his body was gone, and he was broken again and crying and lost. And there she saw a figure, and through her tears, she thought it was the gardener. And that's what happens to us sometimes, you know, in the middle of our tears, in the middle of our trials. We can't see clearly that the one that we're talking to is Jesus. He's right there with us. And it's amazing when Jesus, he said her name, she knew him. She knew who he was. And in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your situation, in the midst of your tears, if you'll let him call your name, you'll know that he is right there with you. She was, she was brokenhearted. So, and, and, and tonight you may feel brokenhearted. You may feel overwhelmed. You may be feel bewildered by life's circumstance. Can I tell you something? He's near you. He's near you. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's it. He's, he's near you. Uh, you know, and I believe when life happens, the cloudiness of life, and we don't see the Lord clearly, and we go, we're going by what we're seeing by, instead of going by what we know. The word says that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's close to the brokenhearted. We know those scriptures. We can quote them all day long. But when it comes to living it out, when all hell is breaking loose and your world is falling apart and you don't see it clearly, you have to look past what you see and go by what you know is the character of God. Amen. I believe I'm speaking to someone tonight. And this is where faith comes in. This is where we say, Lord, your word says that you're near. Even though I don't see it. Even though I don't understand it. I, don't, I may not even feel it. But I know, I know what your word says. And I don't know about you. I need that gentle reminder in my life. Every day, the Lord is near. Amen. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's an encouraging verse, right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Never forget this. Um, we know this as believers, and, and we say, you know, uh, but, but Lord, but God, you know, I, I'm struggling here. Both the believer and the non-believer will face problems and, and brokenness, Right? But here's the major difference. The believer has access to the problem solver. In Jesus Christ, that's a significant difference between the believer and the non-believer. You have Jesus right there. Uh, I'll never understand it. I'll never understand how people can go through life, deal with circumstances that the world throws at them without knowing Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you something. I would have fell apart a long, long time ago had it not been for Jesus. And many of you in here in this building can attest to that and say, hey, I would be broken if it wasn't for the Lord. He, he was the, the glue that held me together. So many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord, ah, here's the, the flip side of that. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Some of them? All. Here's where our faith comes in. It's, it's, it's a, a way through afflictions is, 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 you know, if you're willing to go through 
the door of the Lord. If you want to get through your afflictions, guess what? You're going to have to go the way that he wants you to go, not the way that you want to go. My problem is I want to get to the quickest exit, and God's like, I want to take you through this, but I need you to go this way, not this way, TJ. And I'm like, God, you know what's best for me. I trust you. I have faith in you. But, Lord, look, here's an exit right here. But, TJ, I need you to go to this door back here. But, but Lord, this one's right here. I can, I can do the same thing, and then I can get over there. And God's like, I need you to trust me because I will never leave you nor forsake you, and I will walk with you. You just got to trust me. And here's what I know is, is this, that, that that door that the Lord will lead you through will open for you every time. You know, I was thinking about this. I was talking to someone yesterday. One of the greatest moments in my life uh, that I would say one of my greatest steps of faith that I ever, ever took. I mean, there are many, um, but one of the greatest that I ever took was when I decided to go into full-time ministry. I was working a great job in the oil fields in California. Life was, was hunky-dory. I was ex- things were great. We took a step of faith to, to be youth pastors. And I'll never forget um, finding out exactly how big of a pay cut I was going to have to take to follow the calling of God in my life. And you want to you want to know something that 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 will gnaw at you and fight at you is how much money you make. When you're used to a certain thing, and it's like, and God just like, do you do you love this or do you love me? Do you want this door or do you want this door? You want the divine will? Do you want me to show you how I can take care of you? How I can make a way where there seems to be. I can cover your bills when you don't even know. I know people that you don't know that can help you. And there's things like that. And it was such a huge step of faith for me. And I'll never forget taking that step of faith and watching God make it easy for us. And we never lacked any good thing. We never lacked any good thing. My wife can attest to that. We, we walked through a season where may, maybe we didn't have everything we wanted, but we never lacked a good thing. And God took care of us. And I, I can tell you this. God, many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out, uh, uh, out of them all. Amen? Verse 20 says this. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. So um, this is interesting, this particular bit of uh, scripture here, because this is a messianic uh, uh, prophecy. Um, there's, this is twofold. I believe this is talking about David being taken care of, that God would sustain him and keep him intact. But this is also pointing to ahead to Jesus. And many of you know that that prophecy would be fu- fulfilled in John, that he would break no bones. And so uh, verse 21 says this, afflictions will slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. And the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So, you know, coming to an ending here, the righteous are delivered and the wicked are condemned. Let me say that again. The righteous are delivered and the wicked are condemned. But here's the key. Choice is yours. You want to be delivered with the righteous or do you want to be condemned with the wicked? 
whose camp are you going to be in? I, uh, I don't know about you. I want to be on the Lord's side. You remember Joshua with, with the children of Israel. He, he called them out and he said, stand up if you're on the Lord's side. Choose this day who you will serve. Stand up. And I don't know about you. I want to stand with the righteous. And I want to stand with what God has. Not, uh, not with what the wicked, not what this world has, but I want to stand with what he has. And Paul would reiterate this very thing that, that, that uh, David would say in 1 Timothy 4.10. He says it a little bit different, but he says this. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior for all people, especially those who believe. God loves you. Amen. And I say this. I, I, th- I say this as a declaration today. Lord, I put my refuge in you. You and you alone. You know, there's this verse or, or this song, you know, it's, you know, praise God to whom all blessings flow. Amen. Will you stand with me just real fast? What a powerful, potent bit of scripture. Amen. And I don't know about you, and maybe you're down in your, in your heart, and maybe you needed to be lifted up. But I begin to just, man, as I begin to meditate on this bit of Scripture, God just begin to stir me. When the world looks like it's falling apart and the wicked look like they're succeeding, I have to remember that God has me in the palm of his hand. Things will be all right when gas prices are so high, when the world's falling apart, and everything's going, God has you palm of his hand. Never forget that. Never forget that. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, God, you are close to the brokenhearted. Lord, we may feel like you're a million miles away, but Lord, your word says we're close to the brokenhearted. Lord, I pray for those who may be down in their spirit tonight, may just need a, a touch of joy, a touch of happiness. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to just let them know that you are near. Lord, you are right there in the midst of the trial. Like Mary at the tomb that day, she didn't realize, Lord, you were right there the whole time. God, let us be uh, open to hearing you speak when you call us by name in those moments. God, let us have ears to hear. God, I pray, Lord, that the blessings of the Lord, Lord, would flow from our lives. God, how good and pleasant it is to, to come and, and to be with brothers and to worship the Lord together. God, in harmony and in love. God, thank you for the moments that you've given us. God, we give all adoration and praise to you. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, it is strength to us. God, and I pray, Lord, that you would lift up a heavy heart tonight, God, Lord, that you would just begin to change paradigms, Lord, the way that we see things, but God, help us to see things the way you see things, God, we have this hope, and this hope is Jesus Christ, Lord, and we thank you for that, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Fine.